All right, everybody, here we go, Daf Mem Gimel, page 43, we are on the very first line, and we are in the middle of the line, the words are, V'shochat Oiso, okay, the Pesach is V'shochat Oiso, let's get our minds back into the sugya, so basically what's going on over here, is, uh, what, what, so we're on Mem Gimel Amadala, 43A, Rabbi. okay, what's going on over here, top line, What's going on over here is we're discussing, Abaye mentioned yesterday a fascinating thing, which is very unique to Paraduma. And he said an interesting thing, and that is that Paraduma is one of the most difficult parshiyas to know how to darshan. Because sometimes you're going to look at a pasuk, and it seems to be mashma, that something should be like it. And sometimes the jirasha is that it should be not like it. Okay? And it's, unless you have a direct Messiah to know how to darshan through the, the sugya of Paraduma, there's no way to figure it out. Um, there's no way to figure it out. You need to have a Messiah, and, and what we're doing, what we started yesterday, is going through the various tukum of Paraduma and explaining how the drusha should be inferred. Okay? Let's go. The entire Amad Aleph. And a little bit down in Ahmed Bey's is just going to be going through this idea, quoting Psukim and from Paraduma and letting us know what the drush is. Right? That's going to be the bulk of today's daf. And then on the middle of Ahmed Bey's, we got to a new Mishnah. We will introduce it when we get there. All right, here we go. Zog Gumar. Top line. You should shecht the Paraduma, which means no other animal is allowed to be shechted with it. Okay? Meaning, Meaning, what would happen if you have a production line, yeah, industrial revolution, yeah, you have a production line, can you have a shaykhet, let's say you line up a whole bunch of chickens, or a whole bunch of cows with their heads upside down, is it permitted for a shaykhet to put like 10 necks together and go, give one slice across all the necks? Technically, yeah, why not? As long as it hits each neck and knocks off both pipes, right? The trach in the esophagus to get right. Paraduma, you're not allowed to do the Paraduma. The motion of shechita has to be a motion which only involves the Paraduma. That is the drusha from those two words. Okay, let's keep going in the parsha. Lefanav, it's got to be done in front of the kohen. What does that mean? So lirav According to Rav, it means. In front of him means he's got he's to have his mind on the mitzvah of shechting the paraduma. What it means is that a Yisrael is allowed to shecht the paraduma as long as you have a kayin watching. That's what it means, lefanov. Okay, so either lefanov means that the kohen himself shechts, but he needs to have das. It needs to be in front of him. His mind needs to, needs to be in front of him at all times, be involved, be mindful of what's happening. According to Shmuel, no. It's not telling me you need, you need, um, you, you can't have Hesach It's not telling me you need attention. Rather, it's telling me that Yisrael is allowed to shecht it as long as the Kayin is there watching. Zok the Gemara Vaita, the next Pasuk. Belakach Elazar Kayim, Idomah Ve'etzbahi. Elazar Kayim takes the blood of the Paraduma with his finger. Now, what's the Joshua from over here? Lishmuel, according to Shmuel, who says that the Kayin just has to be watching. It's letting us know that now 
the Kaya needs to get back involved. All right? That the Zar does the Shechita, a Kayan watches, but when it comes to the blood, only the only Allah only the Kayan could be involved. That's his drasha. And the Rav, Rav speaks the Bajra, he says, no, have a miyot Rav said, it's a miyot because it says Allah twice. Yeah. Over the, the first part, we have a shachar, I saw, he shechts it, which means, uh, I'm sorry, it's got to be lefanov. Yeah, it's got to be, the, the kayan himself needs to be mindful. And it says alazar. So I have two miyutim, two exclusive words telling me where, that the kayan has to be doing the avayda. And the miyot is letting me know that you don't need a kayan like alazar. You don't need a kayan gadol to be the one who shechts the paraduma. But even a standard kayan is permitted to be the one to shech the paraduma. Okay. So that's how we darshan um, That's that drush. Okay. Next part of uh, the parasha of Paraduma. The Torah says, How uh, that the Kayin takes the hyssop, the cedar, and the red string, ties them all together, and burns them in the fire. Okay? Or burnt with them. What do you learn out from there? So Lishmuel Dafila Bagayan Hat. According to Shmuel, he says that Velokach Hakayin, the Kayin. What who's the Kayin? That Pasuks were telling me that you could have a standard Kayin. Now Rav already knows I can have a standard Kayin because he had a Miyat Akharmiyat. So according to Rav, we know a standard Kayin can already do it. How does Shmuel know a standard Kayin? He says from this Pasuk, Velokach Hakayin. Any Kayin could go ahead and take it. So that's how he darshans. And the Rav, and according to Rav, also Itchrich. He says also this pasuk is needed to tell me the kayan. I, according to you, you already knew that a standard kayan can do this. He's going to say, so good at the I would have thought to say. Kivan the lav gufa the paran, and who same answer we gave yesterday. Since the placing of the hyssop and the string and the wood is not part of the paradum itself. It's extras. It's not part of the paradum's body. It's extras, it's other halachas that are included in the process. Of paraduma, so I would have thought I would say that maybe the placing of these things into the fire does need a kain. Maybe only when you're handling the animal itself you need a kain. But when dealing with the wood, the hyssop, and the string, maybe that taka doesn't need a kain. Therefore, therefore it says you even need a kain for the non-animal part of the process. Okay, and just keep in mind, I'm purposely not going to be using the word avida. Okay. Because remember, it is very important to know as you move along. Is the para aduma in avoda? So we learned previously, no. The Gemara is going to re-clarify this for us. But we learned previously, the para aduma was a process that needed to be done. But it wasn't in avoda in the Beis HaMikdash. It was something the Beis HaMikdash needed. It was a process needed to be done. But we don't call it per se in avoda. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be using the word process and we'll see very soon why okay next pasuk says the chibes begodav hakohen the kohen needs to launder his clothing what does that mean Let's listen to this it must be that the kohen had to wear big day kahuna when he did the paraduma I one minute ago we would have asked, of course you need to wear the big day kahuna. Answer is no. Because it's not an avaida. Maybe I would say, listen, the kaya needs to do it. Right? But since it's not the avaida, let him wear his street clothes. 
How do you know in East we're burning the big day kahuna? A whole avoda for aduma, even though it's not an avoda, needs to that process still needs to be done wearing the begadim of the kain. The tomei hakain at erev, and the kain is tomei until the evening. What does that mean? Kohen vikihuna le dairis. That this process must remain the same way. Allah's, the first time we had the paraduma, that same process is uh, also needs to remain for all generations. That the same way the kain wore his big day kahuna and so on and so forth for the paraduma, just by the burning, so too for all generations. Now, says the Gemara, one second. This that. Um, you need a kayan to do the process for all future generations is actually not communally agreed upon. Okay? We learned this yesterday. Yesterday we said there's a machlaikas about whether you mamish need a kayan to oversee this whole process. So the Gemara says, all right, all this is good and dandy if you hold you need a kohen. You could darshan the Pasuk, the God of a kayan. He's got to be wearing his big day kahuna. It's for all generations. But one second, if you don't need a kayan in the first place, who's laundering the clothes? Like, uh, there's no big day kahuna to launder over here. Yeah? It says the Gemara, If you hold that for all generations, you need a kayan, had yet shapir. Shkayach said this whole thing, uh, you can make these drushes. But if you say that ladiris, that you, you mamish need a, a, a kayan gadol, Listen to this, Shaila, very interesting. If you need a kain gadol, then you for sure hold it in avoda. You don't hold it merely a process. So hashta kain gadol bina v'kihunim mebayi. Once I know, according to the idea that you need a kain gadol doing the whole thing of paraduma, you're going to tell me v'chibas means v'kihunai. He's got to be wearing his garments. Of course, you must hold that this thing is considered an avoda. When else do you find that we're we're so insistent on the kain gadol? Unless it's considered an avaida, and if it is considered an avaida, then all these things, these halachas of laundering and being tummy till the evening and for all generations, we should take it for granted. That of course that that exists. We don't need psukim for this. The Gemara says, "Yes, you do. You know why? Because you know what? In most of the asibikavachaymer, because of lakra. There's a rule. Sometimes, even something that could have been learned out from logic, the Torah still specifically chooses to write it." Next pasuk. Again, what are we doing here? We're continuing on Abayi's statement from yesterday that concerning the difficulty of darshaning psukim of paraduma. Okay? Next pasuk. A person whose tahar follow these words closely. A tahar person, Asaf, gathers the ashes, the hiniach, and he goes and puts it in a place of Tahara. Again, the Asaf Ish Tahar, a Tahar man gathers it, and he puts it in a Tahar place. Says Gemara, Ish, what does it mean a man? A man seems to imply any man can do the gathering. Even if a Kayan did the other parts, the burning and whatever, the gathering of the ashes can be done by any Ish. All you need is the male, what do they call it, the chromosome, whatever it is. You got to be a male, okay? You got to be a male. A full-fledged male, we're going to find out. Tahar, okay? Tahar. What does it mean, 
that you got to have a man who's pure. Lahakshir es ha'isha. Okay? What does lahakshir es ha'isha mean? This means that even a woman can gather. Make sense so far? No. But it doesn't make sense so far, right? Good. Very good. So let's keep reading. Vihiniach. And who places it? Anybody who has das to know how to place it in a Torah place. Yatsu which excludes a das They don't have enough das to um, place it into a makom tahor, and therefore they cannot do the placing. Okay. What just happened is something called a a uh, pradu klal. A pradu klal is, and this is why it's so hard, because you have a prat ish ish only, but then it says tahar anybody who's tar. Okay, the rule is by a, by a, a pradu klal, aim befrat elamasha bechlal. Okay, and therefore the klal, which includes the woman, overrides the specificity of the ish. I, so why does it say ish? That goes back to, you need an adult. Okay? You need das. You need das. But lemaisa, a woman can, a woman can do the gathering. Okay. Now, we're going to focus a little bit on the gathering of the ashes and the placing of the ashes. Tanan Hosom, we learned in a Mishnah in Parah, in Mesechah's Parah, Paraduma. Everyone's permitted to mix the water with the ashes of the paraduma, except for Khirashait Vakata. Listen to this. Rabbi Yehuda, Machshir Bakatan. Rabbi Yehuda says a male katan is permitted to do the mixing of the ashes and water. Uposel Beisha Uba And he passels a woman. He says a woman cannot mix the water with the ashes. And an androgynist. Okay? Who's an androgynist? Somebody's got both Simone Ish and Simone Isha. Okay? Says the Gemara, my time Rabbanon, what's the reason for the Rabbanon? It says in the Pasuk, They take from the Tome area some of the ashes, the Paraduma. And they put water. The Torah seems to let us know anybody who's puzzled to gather, okay? Not, not a, you know, we just said we're, we had a machlokas who we're excluding with that, okay? Or Androgynous with, and, uh, and the Isha is also excluded for the mixing. Okay? So if it's permitted to gather, it's permitted to mix. Now, we're going to have a problem here in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda, uh, you know, didn't say anything in particular when it came to the gathering of the ashes, okay? Um, you know, when we said that we're excluding a woman, Rabbi Yehuda didn't uh, argue on that. And over here, when it comes to the mixing of the water, Rabbi Yehuda says it's coming to exclude, um, it's coming to include a katan, but in- exclude an isha and an androgynous. So it's Rabbi Yehuda, the who's permitted by the gathering and permitted by the mixing are different people. So what's your beauty going to do with this? According to what we just said, that they go hand in hand, 
According to Yehuda, they don't go hand in hand. Each one's got its own category of what's allowed, which type of people are allowed to do the gathering, and it's a separate type of category of people who are for this for the mixing. So for Rabbi Yehuda, what's Rabbi going to say? The Rabbi Yehuda says, should have said he will take. What does it mean? They should take. Even a cotton who is not allowed to gather the ashes is still permitted to mix the ashes. How do you know that a woman is the opposite? Hey, no woman who could gather the ashes is not allowed to mix the ashes. Venasan uses a male form. It doesn't say, and it doesn't say venasna. So venasan is specifically coming to exclude an isha more than it's coming to exclude a kata. What are the Rabbana going to say back to Yehuda of Rabban? They say, no, if it would have said he should take and he should gather together Saddam Seder. All right, then we would agree. I'm sorry, if it would have said Havamina, I would have thought to say, I would have thought to say that you need the same person gathering the ashes and doing the mixing of the water. I wouldn't know that you're allowed to have different people. I would say, listen, whoever does the gathering, does the mixing. They, to let us know, multiple people could be involved. Okay. Because of Rahman of Allah, and if we would have written everything in plural, Havamina would have thought to say, Maybe you need two people to gather and two people to mix the water. Okay? Because they, they seems to be everything done in plural. You know, I would have thought you can't have one person. So, they take Vinasan and he puts the ashes and the water together. What do you learn from there? That it, you, you don't need the same person. Not only don't you need the same person, you don't need the same amount of people. You could have two people doing the gathering and one person doing the mixing of the water with the ashes. Okay, that explains and finishes up um, the pasuk, the the pasuk, and that include the the velakach and the um, the the velakhu that they should take and the venasan that you put it beside shuy pasachatis. Okay. Next pasuk. Here we go. Again, remind ourselves going back to Abai yesterday that it's difficult to darshan and you have to really have proper masar and how to understand the halachas to darshan from the sukkim of the paradum. So we said, Remember, previously we learned that when it came to the burning of the paraduma, we also burnt cedar, hyssop, and the red wool in the fire. Hyssop was used at an additional time, and that is, once the water and the ashes were mixed together, how was the sprinkling actually done onto the tummy person? So what they would do is they would take uh, the hyssop branch, stick it into the water, and, uh, and spritch him. Right? They'd spritch him with the hyssop branch. So that's what this passage is talking about. Velokach Ezaif, he takes the hyssop, the tovabamayim, dips it into blood, Ishtar, who dips it into blood? Somebody who's a man who's tar. Now, what's the drasha of this pasuk? The Rabbanan say like this. Ish isha. A man has to do the sprinkling and a woman cannot do the sprinkling. Tahar, it's got to be a tahar person. To include a katan. Again, because you have a miut. You, you have uh, the word ish, 
which is a miut, but then you have the word tahar, which seems to be anybody who's tahar. So it's like a pradu cloud. So the Rabbanon interesting, interestingly say, so who are we coming to re-include? A male katan. You don't need to be an adultish, even a male katan's okay. And Rabbi Yehuda's going to say, no, no, no. Rabbi Yehuda, ishvalai katan, tahar lahakshar asisha. Okay, so they argue on the Messiah of who to include, who to exclude. Now, Gemara says, one second. One second, pause. Mesve. They asked a challenging question. And again, let's remind ourselves of the opinions that we just mentioned. We had a machoikas between the Rabbanon and Rev Yehuda. The Rabbanon say that the word ish, okay, the word ish is coming to exclude an isha and include a katan. A katan's permitted. And Rev. Um, Yehuda says the opposite. Yehuda says Ish excludes a katan and includes a woman. A woman's permitted. The Rabbanon say a katan's permitted. Rabbi Yehuda says a woman is permitted. Keep that in mind for the next question. It says the Gemara, beautiful kasha. That's a challenging question. Everyone's permitted to sprinkle. Everybody could spritz. Except for most of the world. Yeah. Tum-tum. Okay, minimal. What's a tum-tum? Somebody whose genitals are closed up. Okay. Androgynous. Androgynous. Okay. What do they call that in, uh, in American? What, uh, um, I'm trying. Uh, androgynous. I know it's a very similar word. Okay. And an Isha. And a woman. So a woman's 50% of the world. Plus you're adding in all the tumtums and androgynous is no good. Okay. Now, listen to this. Here's the question. The katan sheyesh baidas. Listen to this. If you have a katan, who's a pretty smart kid? Just not, not old enough. 12 years old. Isha misayatai umaze. If a woman helps him out, it's fine. Now here's the problem. Vilay Polig Reb Yehuda. Let's turn to the top of tomorrow's to the top of Amud Beis. Says the Gemara. Vilay Polig Reb Yehuda. Reb Yehuda doesn't argue. So you see, the Reb Yehuda agrees we're excluding a woman. So why do we say, oh, according to the Rabbanon, we're excluding a katan? <coughs> well, I'm sorry. According to the Rabbanon, we're excluding a woman. According to Reb Yehuda, we're excluding a katan, but a woman's okay. Why over here does Reb Yehuda agree that we're excluding a woman unless she's together with the katan who has das? Okay, good kasha. Amar Abayi says, "Kibas Amar Mar Mashma Maitzi Miad Umashma Memela Polik." Says says Abaye. Yeah, this is exactly what I meant two blot ago. I uh, know yesterday's blot. This is what I meant two blot ago when we said that um, you know some yeah, some sukkim seem to imply one way, and some sukkim need to be darshaned um, need to be darshaned a different way. Okay, you're going to have to say that ultimately. You're going to have to say that Rabbi Yehuda Taka argues. Okay? Even though we're not saying over here that Rabbi Yehuda argues. All we said is, Rabbi Yehuda says, Makshir, if the woman's with the gun. But it must be that Rabbi Yehuda, um, Rabbi Yehuda would argue, and he says that a woman by herself is completely allowed as well. Okay. That ends the 
drasha on that pasuk. Next pasuk. The tahar person, again, he took the hyssop, dipped it in, sprinkled it. Who sprinkles? The tahar person sprinkles on a tummy first. Zuck the Gemara. These are tahar ala tummy, tahar maklashu tummy. If we're saying he's tahar now, that seems to imply that he was tummy previously. Which seems to imply that even though you need a tahar person doing the sprinkling, but if you have somebody who's a tvulyan, which means he he's went to the mikvah, but he does not yet have nightfall, he's tahar enough to be allowed to do the sprinkling. So a tvulyan is allowed to do the sprinkling. Amar Ravasi, Ravasi says, Ki ki and Rabbi Yechanan and Reish Lakish, these beloved Chavrusas and brother-in-laws, were learning the sugya of Paradumo. All they were able to come out was the same thing that a fox brings from a field that has not yet grown anything. You have a fox, Rashi explains, you have a fox walks across the field. What's it going to look like once it's done? It's going to be dirty. Have dirty feet. So it'll get some mud on it, but it's not going to come out with any produce. Okay? Because the field was just plowed. Find out with feet. So Rishlokish and Rebbeichanah, when they would learn the sugya, they would try to find consistent methodologies of how to darshan it. And all they, wa- they would walk away, they said, we feel like a fox that just walked through a field looking for produce and just came up dirty on the other side. You know, they go, okay, you know, you know, we got across the field. But like, to, to come out with a, a mahalach to take to other sugyas, to other topics, they weren't able to do that. Okay. Tani Tanaka made Rabbi Echanan. We taught a bride in front of Rabbi Echanan. Kala shkitas k'sheres b'zara chos b'shal parah. The shkitas in the base of Mikdash were permitted to be done by Yisrael, except for a paraduma. Said, no. No, you're wrong. He says, even paradum is okay. Okay? You're not going to find ever when a Yisrael does a shkita that it's possible. Okay, so again, we have machlekes whether a Kayan has to do a shkita or not. And we, we mentioned on Amar Aleph that, that we have this machlekes, okay? Rabbi Yechon, let me bury the time of delayed size. Okay? And not only did Rabbi Yechon argue in this area, in this halacha, about who could shecht. But Rabbi Echanan is actually arguing even on his own Rebbe. Because Rabbi Echanan says in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yitzadak, A Yisrael is not allowed to shecht the paraduma. That was Rabbi Echanan's Rebbe. He quoted his Rebbe as saying, A Yisrael cannot do the Shechita. It's not valid. But I hope. Okay? Rabbi Echanan is, is going against everybody. And he says, Paraduma is absolutely, um, is absolutely allowed. You're never going to find if Yisrael Shech something that the Avaidah gets possible. Period. End of that sugya. Beautiful. All right, last little piece of Gemara. 
before we get to the next Mishnah. We said the Kain Gadol comes back to his par after dealing with Lashem and Lazozo. After dealing with the goats, he comes back to his par and he does Smicha. Why by the first video uh, did, uh, did he not say these words? Here he does. That it's a logical thing. Better that a Zakai comes yeah, and, is, and atones for a Chayov person Okay, so basically what we're saying is, is that once the Kohen Gadol already got his atonement with his par, now he can go ahead and say, oh, on behalf of my brothers as well. Okay, like for example, a class example would be, you know, somebody who's not in prison will have a much easier time, an upstanding, a person with a clean slate will have a much better time approaching a judge and vouching for somebody in prison than somebody who's in prison who will come and vouch for somebody else that, you know, uh, you know they've, uh, to, to help him out, right? So first the coin cleans his slate. So by him, by his vidu, he doesn't mention Ubn Ayar, my brother is the family of Ar. But once he took care of him and his family, so now he's got a clean slate. He's, he's, he's got his kapara. So now it's proper for him to go and request atonement now on behalf of everybody else, the, the rest of the Kahanim as well. Period, end of that, Gemara. Beautiful. Okay. Here we go. Zok the Mishnah. Continuing on with the Avaida of Yom Kippur. Zok the Mishnah, Shachtai, the Kangado Shachs is part. The Kibo Bemizrak, S. Dome. And he's Makabal the Dam. And he gives it to somebody who's going to be memories by. Memories by means to keep it moving. Al Haraived is the production line. In the Heichel. Okay? Why? So it doesn't congeal. They made sure, and the bottoms of the cups actually were not, didn't have flat bottoms. They had tips on bottom so that nobody could ever put them down. If you put it down, you could stand. So they would, we want to make sure nobody can ever put it down. This way, it would keep being stirred so the blood wouldn't congeal. If it starts to congeal, you can't sprinkle it. Okay? So he would give it. He would, he would, the Kaingadu himself would catch the blood, but then he'd hand it off to other Kehanim who would stir it. Okay. Lost the place, sorry. Okay. Nasa, Natal Machta. Then the Kangal takes his machta, his spoon, okay, which he would use to clear out the coals. And he'd clean out the coals um, from side to side. And he would make sure to scoop from the coals that had already been mostly burnt. Okay? That the fires are, it, it wasn't so needed, you so, uh, wasn't needed as much to keep the heat, it was already burnt out mostly. The Yarad, he'd come back down, and he would put the shovel of coals on the fourth row of stones in the Azara. Okay. 
every day, not on Yom Kippur. He would scoop up the coals with a spoon of silver and then pour them at the bottom to the one made out of gold. He would take a, the, the whole thing would be done out of gold, and that's the spoon that, um, that, uh, that same spoon, he wouldn't switch over. The same spoon he'd take straight into the Kaidash HaKadosh. Okay. Very good. Weiter. Okay. This mission is going to take us all the way down to the bottom. Okay. Weiter. Every day, he also would take four kav of coals, and he would pour them, take four kav, and he would pour it into a shovel that only held three kav. Okay, so it would, uh, it would overflow. It would go above the, br- the, the brim of the spoon. Okay, the reason for this was, when you're bringing something for an avayda in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you want it to look full. Yeah? You're sending a candy platter to your neighbor, you're not going to send a half-empty bowl. Right? Alright? So you want to be over. He would only scoop up three kav, and that's what he would bring in. We'll learn why. Okay? Keep in mind, though, just, I'll give you a, a little bit of a sneak peek. Because the Kangala worked so hard throughout Yom Kippur, we're going to notice that during this Avaidah, we're making things less strenuous on him. We don't want him to get tired out. Okay? We want him to make it through. We want, want, we want this Avaidah to go smoothly. See, even though usually it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful concept, a beautiful idea. And that is that you have to, we have to know when serving Hashem when it's time to do it first class and not to cut corners, so to speak. And there's other times where you, you do what you need to do because too much ends up being too little. I'll give you one example. It's a, it's a, it's a seemingly a total tangent from the Mishnah, but it's a very important idea, the connection we're going to make here. The Mishnah in Avais tells us, to make aniyim, you should make poor people members of your household. What does that mean? So there's various explanations. I saw a beautiful shot in one of the Rishonim. They say that the aniyim b'nei b'yisach, you should make poor people members of your household, means invite people to your house and serve them what you would serve your own kids. If you'd give your kids cereal for supper, when, you, when, when guests come over, they could eat cereal too. If you're giving your kids pizza, they could get that too. Why? Why is this important? Why is it important? Because sometimes, like Rabbi Fran said at the previous Siyam Ashas, perfection is the enemy of good. So what happens? We, when guests come over, everything needs to be perfect. We're going to make ribeyes and chicken and kugels and everything. And, 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 and so what do we do? Therefore, we only invite people once every five months because it's too stressful to have people over. Because every time people come over, all of a sudden I gotta clean my house, I gotta do this, and I gotta I gotta have eighteen dishes, and I gotta have fifteen, uh, eighteen. Each course needs fifteen. And no, no, right? But if we would just treat people and know, all I want to do is come sit on your couch and schmooze. If you serve me tuna, that's God's fine too. We'll be willing to have them every week. 
It's not a, it's not a stress. That we don't mach sugar. Right? That's the word of the Yuaniya B'nai Beisach. Sometimes doing too much ends up with us doing too little. Beautiful, beautiful word. It's a truism. It's not a true, a true concept. And, and we, should, we should notice that a little bit here as we go through this Mishnah. Right? On a regular day when we have the Kaychis. So we say, Avada, <laughs> you should take a, a three-kav shovel and fill it up. Fill it up four. The overflow. Come on, schlep. What's the problem? But when you're, when there's more to do, so you gotta you gotta take it easy. You can't you can't you can't do too much. Okay, you have to we have to be picked. We really have to know ourselves and how we serve Hashem. Very important idea. Okay. Rabbi Yisiyam Rabbi says, on a regular day he would take uh, coals with a shovel of a saa. And you pour him into three kavs. Take the whole thing was half, okay? One saw is six kavs. Okay, so we basically cut it in half, the, the amount that he scooped up. Every day the shovel was heavy. And on Yom Kippur, we made sure it was a thinner metal. Notice this. It's so gishma. Very mamish. We use, we use thinner metal. It shouldn't be... Shouldn't be as heavy. On a regular day, we used yellow gold. On Yom Kippur, it was made out of Adan. I guess that's rose gold. Yeah, Adan means red. Okay, Divrei Rabbi Menachem. This is the opinion of Rabbi Menachem. Okay, now either because it's lighter, could be that it was more, uh, it was uh, had higher value. Every day the Kayim brought a pras of Ketiris in the morning and a pras of Ketiris in the afternoon. And uh, on Yom Kippur, they, uh, they added Malay Chofnav. Malay Chofnav means uh, uh, two, he brought two handfuls of Ketiris that were brought straight into the Kayak. On a regular day, the Ketiris was ground up very fine. And on Yom Kippur, it was the best of the best. Okay? It was uh, even lighter. Uh, it was even made uh, lighter. Okay. On a regular day, the Kayim would go up on the eastern side of the ramp. The yard of And he would go down the other side. Yeah, like a highway. You drive on one side, you go down, right? You drive one, you go, right? When you're heading one direction, you, 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 you when you're ahead, you're, you go in a direction, so you're ahead east, and you come back, you come back the other way. You have two lanes going opposite directions. So the Kangodo would go up on the east, and they would all come down on the west. He went up and down right smack in the middle of the ramp. Okay? Why? It's such a beautiful, beautiful idea. You know what Rashi says? It's great. You ever see a kid walk into shul? Kid walks. I see kids walk into shul. The kids whose parents bring them to shul. They walk in with swagger. They walk in. Yeah, they don't. They're not like. They're not looking to like stay out of anybody's way. They they go they go right up to their seat. You know what I mean? They're walking down. They 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 go to the candy man. They go to here. They know who to say shalom aleichem to. Who they're gonna get a lollipop from? And else is git. When a person walks on the side, that means I'm not so comfortable. 
when a person walks in the middle, that means, this is my house. Yeah? It's my house. I remember just the, uh, <laughs> this year, I, I brought my son to Nary Yisrael for a fahir. Right? Going to, uh, to, to take a, a test to get into high school in there is Baltimore. That, that, that's my house. All right? I, I, I never grew up, but if I would have, it would have been on campus. All right? I spent 18 years on that campus. I know every nook and cranny. The base medrash is my, is that, that, you know how many games I played on the base medrash floor and how, you know, how many fruit roll-ups I stuck underneath the tables. That's, that's your place. I go take my son for a hair. Somebody comes over. Shalom Aleichem, can I offer you a seat? I was laughing. I was laughing. Like, you're offering me a seat. Like, this is, my, this is me. You know what I mean? This is my house. You don't offer me a seat in my own house. But I haven't been there in 10 years. It's not my house anymore. But I felt, you know, you feel comfortable. You walk in, you walk in the house, you feel comfortable. So the Kangaba walks up and down the middle. You're supposed to feel comfortable with Beis Elikim. This is the greatest Kiddush Hashem that the Kangaba could have brought on Yom Kippur when he made it look like he belongs. He belonged. This is this is muck. Rabbi Yudaim says, The kind Godel should always do that. If the kind Godel is ever going up and down, he should also. It's a sign of this is my place. Okay. Every day the kind Godel would be Mekadesh Yodav Viragla from the Kiar. And on Yom Kippur, there was a Kitan Shalzov. So, so we're not so familiar with this, but a Kitan Shalzov is basically a, 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 it was like a different golden bowl that they would use. And it was special for Yom Kippur. It was like, it was designated, it didn't need to use uh, the Kira. Rebuta says no. It wasn't that he used the regular Kira of the other Kahanim, but Yom Kippur was different. Rebuta is consistent with what he said previously of the Kahan always going up and down the middle. And he says, The should always use this special, uh, this special bowl uh, to wash his hands and feet. Every day there were four piles of wood uh, put on top of the Mizbeach. Every day there was two. The Hayoim Sholosh and on Yom Kippur. There was three, and the Gemara is going to get into, um, you know, what's this machlekes concerning the different amounts of piles. Okay, let's just end off the daf, even though we could stop after the Mishnah, but let's get to the bottom line. Let's just read one more line, and we'll hold it here. It says Gemara, quickly, what do you mean that after the Kayin Gadol catches the blood, he passes it over to a Kayin who stirs the blood, Vaksiv, but it says, Vachal Odom Le'iyah V'ayol Mayit. Okay, what this means is that um, no one was allowed to be with the Kayin. No one's allowed to be in the Kaidesh while the Kayin Godel going in, goes into the Kaidesh HaKadoshim. So how were they allowed to be standing there? Um, Rebuda, Rebuda says, Tani Shel Heichel. Okay, we're not dealing with the fourth row in the uh, We're not dealing with the fourth row in the Kaidesh. We're dealing with the fourth row of the Heichel. And the fourth row of the Hechel was considered outside of the Kaidesh area. And that's why another Kayin was allowed to be standing there. We're up to Toner Rabbanon on the very last line. The Bezhem, we will pick up from here tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.